welcome, uh, listeners, to the Squashing the Markets podcast with Bill Ullman. I am delighted to welcome Ian Rosen today. Ian is currently the CEO of StockTwits, Inc., the largest social media platform for investors and traders in the U.S. with over 2 million users. Um, Ian, let's start by talking about your journey quickly, going back to Goldman Sachs and today being the CEO of StockTwits. How did this all happen? Yeah, so it, it is kind of an interesting journey. I think like a lot of people who have ended up in this intersection of media and, and finance and technology. But I've always been interested in both technology and markets. Um, I started my career at Anderson Consulting, which was basically doing technology work for financial services companies. Went to Goldman at the time that the propagation of of financial information was starting to be something that was considered to be important and important to be accessible to users as opposed to just in a library. I was in the investment banking group and just really developed, I guess, what at that time was a little bit of a competency around how information and structured data and unstructured data was used in the financial services process. What you know, we now have this giant umbrella calling fintech. Uh, but at that time, it was just sort of using technology to be better at finance. Throughout the the, the coming years and, and decades, actually, I spent almost in my entire career in different areas relating to that intersection, uh, moving to a couple of smaller companies where we were aggregating information to be used in areas of financial services or Thomson, which became Thomson Reuters. You know, I led the investment banking uh, data group there to uh, Dow Jones, where I headed the investment banking data segment, uh, selling into investment banks and I ultimately uh, ended up running MarketWatch, which is a, a very large B2C financial news and information business uh, that Dow Jones had acquired and left to found my own company called Even Financial, which my co-founder is now running, but ultimately found my way back to finance and media, which is Stockwitz. Stockwitz had always, for every time since I knew it back at MarketWatch, been incredibly fascinating to me because StockTwits, in my view, had and has done all of the hard things and none of the easy things. Uh, StockTwits has a large, highly engaged, organically growing community of young people who are interested in finance and markets and companies and searching for ways to become better investors. And that's about the most valuable thing you can have in a, in a distributed world. And yet the company had not taken all the steps, in my view, that, that we could have. So that's how I ended up here. Fascinating. At one point in in your journey, you made a switch from being a, an executive, a professional at a at a company, to being an entrepreneur. Uh, tell us about that. Say, tell us about that transition. I thought you were going to say to being unprofessional. Also, <laughs> also Not at all. I would never say that. <laughs> yeah. I, so people ask me now because you know I left I left what was a pretty like you say a pretty big corporate job to found a seed stage company. So now friends of mine at larger companies will sometimes ask me, so I'm thinking, I have this idea for a company. Should I, should I leave to, to start my own company? And my answer is always no way. Absolutely, they should not do that. Certainly if you're asking someone if you should, you should do it if you're compelled to do it. And if you're compelled to do it, you don't have to ask anyone. And in my case, I was frustrated by the fact that I felt like I was doing a good job. I was building businesses for other people and other companies. I fought for resource. I felt like I was waiting for the right opportunity to be able to do that for not just for myself, but in a way that was that we could build and create uninhibited and realize the the rewards for what we were creating and be punished for the failures uh, in ways that you don't get at big companies. So it was very difficult. I did it later than I think some entrepreneurs. I was 40 years old and had two kids and my wife uh, doesn't work. So this was a very expensive and difficult proposition, but I did feel compelled to do it. 
I wanted to build something, I wanted to create, and I was okay if it didn't work. And thankfully, uh, I can say now that it, it has been working, but, um, but that's why. You mentioned before the, the 2 million plus network at StockTwits. Can you describe that community, the numbers, the demographics, but also describe the spirit and attitude of this community? It's, it's a unique group of people. Yeah. That's true, and, and, and you, you also know this group well as a user. You know, the StockTwist community is, is very young for financial services. Our average age is probably close to 30 than uh, most financial media is, is uh, in the mid-50s, because that's when people start to take self-directed interest in having a lot of money. But what happened with StockTwits is we were founded in 2008, and in 2008 was exactly the time that, you know, all of the so-called experts were really coming under fire deserved fire for not knowing all of the answers. And a young, large demographic of people were starting to think, how can I learn how to do this myself? Or how can I understand what's happening so that I don't have to rely on somebody who may not have my best interests at heart? And the result, which is Stockwitz, which was born originally out of Twitter, although now we're an independent platform, was to take this social finance community of people who were, I think the word that we like to use a lot is irreverent, that weren't so impressed by the Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley's and and uh, you know other large firms of the world and wanted to learn how to do these things themselves and that that attitude I I think has really propelled through the ten year history of Stockwitz where we have a community that is irreverent that is smart that is not afraid to say what they think and also to say when they're wrong and to learn from each other. But it's kind of a loud, meme funny, snarky, but I believe intelligent and, and quick learning uh, group of people. And how has the community, I mean, you, you've gone over 2 million. It wasn't at 2 million back in 2008. There have to have been some changes over the years. How do you think it's morphed and developed? Yeah, so the biggest move that the company made, which was prior to my joining, was moving off of Twitter and becoming an independent platform. What was really needed and still needed today, and sometimes people will ask me, well, you know, Stockwitz is great, but, uh, you know, how do you exist in a world where there are all these other social networks? And, and my answer to that is, look, we're not new and we don't market. Proof is in the fact that we do exist and are growing. And the reason for that is because there is a significant need and role for a moderated platform where there's a healthy community where all of these sort of criminals and bad actors and pump and dumpers and, and jerks are kind of stripped out either by the community itself or by our team or by software. And the biggest changes and efforts that we have made over the years have included becoming an independent platform, doing a good job with moderation. Recently, we moved to Rooms, which allows the community to self-organize, uh, not just around tickers, but around just topics that they're interested in. And we like to consider ourselves a platform that exists for the needs of our community, not something that we're pushing down their throats. And our need to let them self-organize, it, I think, has allowed us to grow. And do you, th do you think there's room, do you want there to be room for, call it the serious professional investor in addition to the, the younger uh, snarkier investor? Yeah, so we, we have those people and I would like, uh, we have them that are posters and those end up being mentors for a lot of the younger people. I, I would like to see more of those people on the platform and I would like to see more of those people being more vocal on the platform because out of the few hundred thousand messages that are shared every day on Stocktwits, those still only represent about 15% of the total active users on any given day. So there's a lot of people that are just kind of hanging out and seeing what the zeitgeist is and we know that a lot of those people are 
they're institutional, they're smart, they're savvy, they may not be very social, but I think some of the features that we are developing for our new products will allow them to be more seen without having to be social, just more allowing them to create experiences that others can learn from without having to be like a meme generator, so to speak. You've had a lot of experience on the StockTwits platform, obviously, monitoring it every day, participating, responding. What have you learned about stocks and about investing from your StockTwits experience as well as prior experiences? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one because I, I spent a lot of my career, like much like yourself, around real financial services people that have made their career either investing or participating in the investing process from privates to publics and, and, and everything in between. So my default had always been, I think, for the first you know part of my career, almost something like, why bother? Like there are professionals out there, there are indexes out there. Uh, if you're sitting at the poker table and you don't know who the sucker is, it's probably you. And so why participate? And what I learned most, both from our community and, and from just participating in the process myself, is that it's the exact same thing as saying, I might go to a, a restaurant, so why bother cooking? Or I cook, so why would I ever go to a restaurant? Yeah, there are people out there that are professional investors, and there are people out there that are creating in indexes. And you can learn from all those things. But that's not to say that there isn't a discipline and a, a learning that can happen about how to become a better investor on your own, if for no other reason than to be knowledgeable when you are interacting with another financial advisor or some other professional. Natural segue, that since we're talking about investments into brokerage, uh, you've announced recently that it's coming soon to StockTwits, StockTwits brokerage. What can you tell us about this new capability and what will it mean for your community? So this is incredibly exciting for us. And like a lot of, I think, great ideas, it wasn't so much something that we are pushing into. It's something that is being pulled from us. We look at a world where financial, pro all products, but financial products are becoming more commoditized, commoditizable. The ability to buy and sell a stock used to be the moat around which you built a company. And now it's, it's just a thing that can be connected to something else. So what is that something else? That something else has to be the engagement and attention and just interaction among people and communities. And that's obviously what we have. So when we started to see some of the other companies and products start to build trading applications that really were disconnected from any kind of experience of learning how to become a better investor or sharing that experience with others, both of which are incredibly natural and necessary, we felt that we naturally should be in that business and could do a better job and can do a better job. What we weren't sure about was what it would take for us to be able to build that capability into what was a social networking company. And we spent, even though stock puts from the outside, I think looks very irreverent. The reality is that as a company, we're actually pretty conservative and we try to be very careful about not making mistakes, especially when it comes down to things as important as working with people's money. So we spent a long time, and thanks to you particularly for helping us with this process, we spent a long time understanding what we would need to do to make that work, both technically, regulatory-wise, product-wise. And it took us about a year and a half from start to finish to decide that we wanted to be in the brokerage business to what we're about to do, which is to launch our first brokerage product at the end of next month. And I'm incredibly excited because it is very unique. It is designed around the things that are coincident with why our community likes StockTwits, which is to have fun and to share with each other and to learn from each other, all the things which are missing from the existing investing landscape. And it is absolutely clear to me, and I can't wait for others to see this as well, that the way we are launching TradeApp, which is the name of our brokerage product, 
is going to be completely unique and fill the void of social and discovery-based investment learning that is not available to the retail customer today. It's very exciting. Do you worry that other players out there can do what you're doing easily? Can they bring the, a community element into what they're doing? I don't. I uh, First of all, I'm, I'm a very competitive guy, uh, so I almost wish there were somebody that um, that we could go head to head with. But the reality is that building a community is not easy and it's it's not something that I'm going to claim to have created at Stockwoods. I didn't. It was created long before I got here. But lightning struck in our particular case. And you can move to a different product, but you can't move your friends. And our community is a group of people who every day are there to interact with each other. Almost all of the conversations and messages that happen on the platform are responses to other people. They know each other's names. They know each other's handles. And I think that the idea of having a social investing experience is something that many people want to replicate. Many people will try to replicate but we are orders of magnitude the biggest. And I don't, I worry about a lot of things, but I don't worry about that. Moving into a more generalized question, you've had a lot of experience now in the financial technology arena. What, what is unique about fintechs? And as a CEO, what skills are most important in running fintech? I think the most important skill in fintech is to break it down into its constituent parts. Uh, you know, lending tech is different than trading tech is different than investment banking tech. But I think there are two, and, and we've talked about this before, I think there are really two ways that financial services is being changed by technology. And one of them is more fintech and one of the other ones more like tech fin. I think some of the higher flying companies that have been out, especially in the last few years since uh, quote fintech became a you know a category in the venture world have been technology companies that have put new skins and new products and new processes on top of the existing financial services products which has benefits because you're approaching it from a different way and taking a maybe a dustier product and making it more accessible to people but it has it has a lot of risks because there is an underlying regulatory and uh, fiduciary responsibility that go along with these that is not necessarily true in some of the other venture backed technology companies so those are the tech fins, and I, I'm not going to mention names, but there are some companies that I think have run into buzzsaws where they've thought they could do something and, oh, we'll figure it out and we'll worry about regulators after the fact or something like that. And then they get they get crushed, rightfully so, because there is an infrastructure designed to protect the consumer. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as more of a true fintech. And I think when you think about leading one of these companies or, or building one of these companies, you have to look at the existing and understand the existing landscape very, very well. We understand financial services. I think this is a big difference between New York and Silicon Alley versus Silicon Valley. New York City is full of a lot of finance people. Both, both you and I came from that world and many of the people in this office and, and around New York City fintech came from financial services and understand the risks and understand the regulations, understand why those things are in place and can build tech on top of them. That's very different than, oh, we're going to bring in a finance guy after the fact and let him tell us what we can and can't do. Everyone's heard the phrase, I believe, the wisdom of the crowd. Is the stock twits community wise? Do you have some examples of things that have been said by the majority of the people that have proven prescient? Yeah, so I think I think wise, I don't know if we're wise. I think I think that what stock twits community is is fast and pays attention and clear-eyed. One of the things that I learned in my years at MarketWatch and being a part of Dow Jones, which is a very well-respected journalistic company, is that there are a lot of layers of attention and checking that content has to go through before it can be published by a reputable publisher. And that's totally appropriate. But what it does is it introduces a lot of delay between when something happens and then there's a 
an official sort of take on it. What we provide and our community provides both for each other and also for other people who are the 85% of people who just hang out on the platform as opposed to posting is a first take. And, and not that it's right 100% of the time, but pretty often we have a savvy group of people who can really quickly suss out what's happening uh, with a company, with a market, why something's true. We're not going to claim, nobody's going to claim that they're, well, actually everyone will claim that they're right, but we, we, we know that, they're, that, that these takes aren't, you know, haven't been put through the, the journalistic ringer, but there are enough people on our community and those people have their own reputations to protect individually. And there's enough of a volume that it is a good place to go get a quick take as to what's happening. So there is a wisdom in that crowd. And, and that's been validated by the fact that there is so much interest in our data by the most sophisticated investors. The biggest quant funds in the world are looking to access our data because it's clean, because it has a particular kind of signal um, that's different than others. There's a ton of research out there that suggests individual stock picking. And I think we touched on this before. Individual stock picking is is not worth your time. Um, that over the long term, very few people outperform the market averages. I just want to get back to if that's true, which I think empirically many finance professors would say it is, how do you explain the success and growth of StockTwits? Yeah, it's true. It's also empirically true that I can't cook as well as the chef at per se, but I'm going to go home and, and have a great barbecue today. Um, when we ask our community, why are you here? The worst answer that we could get back would be to beat the market because we'd be lying to them because we, we'd be providing a platform and implying that you can beat the market by using stock twits. And, and as you say, that's very unlikely. Not, I'm sure people do it, but that's very unlikely. The reason they're on our platform is to have fun because they, they enjoy investing and they enjoy doing it in a social way with each other and to learn, to become better investors and to learn how to do that with each other. And that is something that we can provide. We can help make people better investors. We can help make them more educated investors. We can help them have fun learning about companies and how to invest. The most passionate people on our platform are the youngest cohorts. These are people that I'll meet uh, sometimes out at like a restaurant or at you know, I was at a, a beach recently and somebody who worked at the beach is you know, young kid, like 19 years, 18, 19 years old. He said, oh, I love Stockwoods because he saw my T-shirt. He loves the memes on the Instagram. He loves the platform. He loves to talk about Snapchat and uh, all these other companies that are meaningful to young people today because they know them and they're learning. They're not trying to squeeze an extra 20 basis points beyond an index or a financial advisor. You sit in an incredible seat as CEO of StockTwits and have a view of the industry. You attend a lot of conferences, speak at conferences, et cetera. What do you see as the biggest trends in fintech today? And what should investors be aware of out there? What should they be thinking about? You'll have to clarify, but if you mean um, investors in fintech. Investors in general, in general, I would say. I mean, everyone knows the big trends to mobile, the trends to disaggregation. It, specifically in fintech and the way our landscape is developing, the biggest trend that I see that we are also trying to capitalize on is the ease with which specific parts of the process can be separated from each other and re-put back together like Legos. So if you look at an E-Trade that was built around the idea that I could buy and sell and now I'm going to build this big infrastructure around it or a Thomson Reuters or a Bloomberg or uh, any number of, or, or a Citibank, where you have this incredible infrastructure that does all things together. What I see now through technology and standardization of data is a very seamless path to connecting parts in ways that, that you see fit. And when we look at companies 
almost every company, whether it's Robinhood or Acorns or Stash or SoFi or Stocktwits, looking to say, these are the products that I want to provide as a complete package. The most valuable thing that you can have is either access to users, like a very good customer acquisition process, or a lot of users, like a community. So the biggest trend that I see over the long term that is this move to networks and communities, because those are the only things that really survive independently in the long term. And if you look at the biggest companies in the world, the Apples, Amazons, Facebooks, they're all networks of some of some form. When you talk to your children about money and investing, what do you tell them? Do you or do you spend time talking to them about investing and stocks and savings? So I'm a, yeah, so I'm a little scared. My kids are they're sort of savvy about like just you know trading this for that and 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 knowing uh, you know if I buy this today, can I get a credit on that tomorrow? And you know I feel like they have like you know, complicated like derivatives on on their allowance and things like that. Um, the, the, the thing that I really try to teach them, we actually don't, I don't want my kids to worry about money. I don't want them to think that they, that money is sort of this necessary thing that flows through their lives and makes things happen or not happen because I want them to enjoy their childhood. They're still pretty young, but, but they understand that there is a, there is a commodity and a thing that can either reduce what they have or increase what they have based on how they use it. So they know that it's better to save or to invest and they don't know what really investing is, but they know that if I save this for some period of time, I'll have more later in some other capacity, or I can do a chore, or I can have more iPad time for this activity. I mean, that's a form of money, obviously. So they, they understand the mechanics of trade, but I try to stay away from actual currency. I know people take the exact opposite approach, but I just don't want my kids to think about money that much. So one of the uh, hallmarks of the Squatching the Markets podcast is the lightning round. This is how we close out our, our podcast. And I'm going to give you two answers to a question. You have to pick one. You don't have to have an explanation. Good. You don't have to say why or anything. You just have to pick one answer. So we'll start with an easy one. Mutual funds or ETFs? ETFs. That was fast. You, you said it even before I did. Technical data or fundamental data? Fundamental data. Venture capital or hedge funds? Venture. Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan? Goldman. Hong Kong or Singapore? Hong Kong. Bitcoin or gold? Bitcoin. Social media or the Wall Street Journal? Social media. Cryptocurrency or the US dollar? Crypto. Investing or trading? Investing. Investment research or luck? Luck. <laughs> Thank you, Ian Rosen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.